Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Genesis 40. Joseph's dreams were from God. And his dreams were quite interesting. His dreams were that his family was going to bow before him, including mom and dad. And of course, the family didn't take real well to these dreams, and I'm not sure that Joseph should have shared them over morning Pop-Tarts. <laughs> but he did. And this is what started all of this, you know, the, but God was using every part of the story to weave his tapestry. He was working all things together for good to those who love God. There's a way to keep iron out of your heart and to keep your heart soft, and that is to keep your eyes on Jesus, who's the author and perfecter of your faith. See, he's in your life. He literally lives in you. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. So to think that he doesn't know what's going on with you tonight, or he doesn't know your struggle or your pain, is just false. It's a lie of the enemy. And the enemy is often whispering lies to us and trying to get us to go back to a prison that we've been set free from. And Joseph is here in Egypt, and you know he's got all the reasons to complain, and we've certainly got ours, our list to make. But Joseph is in jail, but he's not forgotten by God. In fact, God is working out his plan as we pick up Genesis 40, verse 1. And it came about after these things that the cupbearer, the cupbearer, the, if you have the King James, New King James, it says the butler. It's always the butler that did it, but in this case, it's not the butler. And the baker for the king of Egypt offended their lord, the king of Egypt. So we're introduced in Genesis 40, verse 1, to the cupbearer and the baker. After these things, you might say, whenever you're reading your Bible, after what things? Well, if you look back in Genesis 39, it says, verse 20, so Joseph's master took him, put him into the jail after he's falsely accused the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in the jail. There he is in the jail. But the Lord was with Joseph and extended kindness to him and gave him favor in the sight of the chief jailer. And the chief jailer committed to Joseph's charge all the prisoners who were in the jail so that whatever was done there, he was responsible for it. Joseph became a steward of the prison. The chief jailer did not supervise anything under Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. The writer wants us to, to realize that even though Joseph is an enterprising young man, it's because of God's presence that this is happening. And whatever he did, what's the Bible say? The Lord made it to prosper. Uh, we had a brother come in, <laughs> and I'm not sure, is Art here tonight? Art has not made his way. Art came to the front and he goes, hey, I've read ahead a couple chapters, a couple chapters ahead of you in Genesis. He goes, this guy can't get a break. <laughs> What's going on here? I said, isn't it interesting how real the Bible is, how it tells us the real story, but how we can see that God is still working in the circumstances. And even though you could say this guy couldn't get a break. God was causing things to break in his favor. Here's a verse to remember. Proverbs 19, 20, and 21. Listen to advice and accept instruction, and in the end you will be wise. 
Many are the many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. That's Proverbs 19, 20, and 21. Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. You know, many times as I'm reading my Bible, I'll come across something that is kind of dark. You know, we were dead in transgressions and sins, but God, what? He made us alive, right? And you see God, his intervention in situations that's, that are dark and seem dark, he has ways of intervening and using the situation for good. So uh, chapter 40 opens with two very prominent pr- prisoners that enter into the jail, the cupbearer, the baker, and the candlestick maker. That's in a, another translation. No, I'm just kidding. Candlestick maker is not there. There you go. And the Pharaoh was furious with these two officials, verse 2, Genesis 40, the chief cupbearer. So notice, they're not just the cupbearer and the baker, they're the chief. The chief cupbearer and the chief baker. Now, these positions in the ancient world were not just your kind of standard servant type of people. To be the chief cupbearer was a high-ranking government position. Nehemiah was in this position in Nehemiah chapter 1 when he says, I was the cupbearer to the king. In this case, he was the cupbearer to Artaxerxes, the king of Persia. And we know that story, how he intervened for Israel, went back and rebuilt um, the, uh, the walls there. And, and so this is the position this man is in. He's a chief official. And what they had in the ancient world is the pharaohs and the kings, they had a cupbearer, and he was kind of like a a right-hand man to the king, but he was also the wine taster of the king. What would happen is they would have coups all the time in the ancient world. People were always trying to take over the throne. It could even be your own sons who were trying to take you out. And one of the ways that they would accomplish this was by slipping a little poison into your food. So they got the wiser, and they started to hire high-ranking officials to taste your food and your wine. So the cupbearer would get a cup of wine, and the pharaoh would watch him drink it, and then he would just watch him for a couple of minutes <laughs> to see what happened, to know if the wine was safe. So if you were the cupbearer to the king, wouldn't you make sure that you knew everything that was going on in the kitchen, <laughs> everything that was going on in the vineyard, all the preparations that were happening, you'd want to make sure, because you were the first one to taste that wine. Well, these were honorary titles. They say the, the chief baker was probably the one that oversaw the menu for the pharaoh. And it's been suggested that these titles also related to the roles that these gentlemen played in ceremonies involving the Egyptian god Horus. They would bear the wine and carry the ceremonial bread to be used in such ceremonies. If you've ever done a little homework on Egypt, you know that for the most part, there may be a few exceptions of certain uh, pharaohs, but for the most part, the culture was steeped in all kinds of polytheism, many gods, many goddesses. They were very uh, superstitious. They had a fixation with the dead. And, and by the way, they were very much into dreams. In fact, in Egyptian culture, they taught that when you dreamt, you entered into a different world. They very much believed in the dream world, and what occurred there was very much real and related to your life. And so I just want to say a moment about dreams, because we're going to get into dreams in a second. The Bible has little snippets of action that happens in dreams. A lot of it's in the book of Genesis. Some of it's in Daniel. Um, There's a few other spots you're going to see in your Bible. 
And then I think there's about six dreams recorded in the book of Matthew. Outside of those and a few other places that you'll come across the idea of a dream being given, uh, the, the prophets are actually warned that they say, I've had a dream from the Lord, and the Lord says, I didn't give them that dream. So we, we have to be careful with dreams. Now, God has used historically over time, he has spoken to people in dreams, but I think we need to be very careful. We have a finished revelation right here in our hand. It's called the Holy Bible. There's 66 books. I don't know if you've read the whole thing yet, but I would do that first before you start interpreting dreams and overdoing what they might mean. I'm not saying that God couldn't speak to a person in a dream today. In fact, I've shared in the past that I had a dream that I think the Lord did use in my life, but I would just be very careful and always check it against the word of God. So what happened with the the chief cupbearer and the chief baker? We don't know for sure, but Jewish uh, um, rabbis who have taken a shot at trying to kind of put together a background of this text, and of course it's speculation, say that there was some sort of plot against the Egyptian pharaoh, and somehow it was found out. Maybe they found some poison in the food or something happened, and there was an accusation, and the fingers were pointing at these two high officials. And so this is why the pharaoh was furious. He had found out, or at least he was told, and we're going to find out that he's, he's going to do some investigation as they are kept in prison, that these two men were trying to, you know, basically uh, undo him. So I told you the baker was likely responsible for the pharaoh's menu. The, they both had practical roles, uh, pun intended for the baker. They had practical roles. They were, <laughs> thank you. They were also engaged in the king's wine and food. Somehow they had infuriated the pharaoh. Rumor has it that the baker had stolen the pharaoh's last maple bar, and that's, that's a devastating charge. That should never happen. So... So verse 3, he put them in confinement in the house of the captain of the bodyguard, and I think that's pointing again back to Potiphar, in the jail, the same place where Joseph was imprisoned. So of course, the story is always relating back to Joseph. And the captain of the bodyguard, now that, that person, according to other scriptures like Genesis 37, 36 and 39.1, is Potiphar. So notice what happens. The captain of the bodyguard put Joseph in charge of them. Now, it doesn't say the chief jailer put Joseph in charge of these two you know, prominent prisoners. It says the chief, the captain of the bodyguard did this. So I take that as Potiphar put Joseph in charge of these prisoners. Now, wait a minute, time out. If Potiphar was angry that Joseph had actually tried to rape his wife. Joseph would not have had this favor in the prison, nor would he have been given this responsibility by Potiphar. This is another evidence that Potiphar knows that Joseph's not the problem. His wife is the problem. In charge of them seems to be that he was over them. Some commentators say that he was serving them but he had, look at verse 4, charge of them, and he took care of them. That may be where they get the servant part. And they were in confinement for some time. The Bible doesn't tell us how long, but they were in the prison for some time. And we can infer 
that there's an investigation going on as they're in confinement. They haven't been executed yet. And if they had been plotting the demise of the Pharaoh, you would imagine that execution would have happened immediately, but apparently they didn't have all the evidence. So Joseph is watching over these prisoners, scheduling duties, mealtime, order, discipline in the prison, whatever that entailed. Hey, listening family, this is Pastor Michael. I want to tell you about a special offer that we have we could all use more help on how to deal with temptation. And I wrote a book called Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God. And one of the major themes there is how to deal with temptation and really to follow Joseph's lead on how to put on the full armor of God and how to deal with the typical ways that the enemy, the world, and the flesh come at us. It's our special offer on Living Truth Radio. And here's how you get a copy of the book. Go to the website, livingtruthradio.org. That's livingtruthradio.org. Click on the donate button. You'll see the book there. And just go ahead and put for any size donation to Living Truth Radio. We will send you a copy of that book. Just make sure you put your information there. We appreciate your prayers and your financial support. God bless you. Then the cupbearer and the baker for the king of Egypt who were confined in jail both had a dream the same night. Now, in Egyptian thought, and this spills over to some other things we see in Scripture, if you had two dreams, that seemed to kind of guarantee a fulfillment. At least this was the thought in the ancient world. So they both have a dream the same night, each man with his own dream, and each dream with its own interpretation. When Joseph came to them in the morning and observed them, behold, they were dejected. New King James says they were sad, they were troubled. Joseph apparently, you know, interacted with these guys every day, and that's not surprising. And he looked at these two guys, and they were just sad. Countenance had fallen. And so, you know, you might think on one hand, why would Joseph even care? I mean, what what would we expect in a prison in Egypt? Everybody jumping around for joy? But he noticed that their countenance had changed. He noticed that there was something different. And I think that shows you something of the heart of Joseph. And so he saw them dejected. He saw them, you know, hearts down. And the problem was is that they had had dreams and they were very interested in the dreams, all that Egyptians believed about dreams, but they had no interpreters. We're going to find out in the next chapter that when Pharaoh has his dream, he calls for the magicians. So the magicians seems to be the professional interpreters of dreams. And they couldn't interpret the dream and God's going to use all of that to get Joseph into the palace. But here is the dream of these two men. And he asked Pharaoh's officials who were with him in confinement, Joseph did in his master's house. So the prison seems to be maybe underneath Potiphar's dwelling. Why are your faces so sad today? You know, um, Joseph was a man of compassion. I have to ask myself, am I? If someone looks bummed out, do I just assume that I know the cause? Like, well, or, you know, whatever. (laughs) Who cares? Or do I stop and say, am I willing to ask the question? You know, to ask the question is a bit risky, isn't it? Especially if someone's looking bummed out and you ask them, how are you doing? Now, sometimes we'll just give the reply, oh, I'm fine, 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 fine. (laughs) We're all pretty good blessed. (laughs) Sometimes we're just not feeling blessed. We may be blessed, but we're not feeling fine or blessed. And Joseph cared. So he asked them what was wrong. And and I think, you know, in order for us to reach people, 
in, in both the, the church to be a vessel for God and to unchurched people, sometimes all you have to do is say, how are you doing today? There's a guy, uh, he pastors Core Church LA, former youth pastor at Harvest Christian Fellowship, Steve Wilburn. So he said he, he was on the phone with a, um, like an AT&T kind of thing, and he was going through one of those phone calls that none of us want to make, you know, trying to, I don't know what it was. It was something about the service. And so he, he just asked the girl on the other side of the phone, how are you doing today? Now, how many of you, when you're in one of those phone conversations with someone from a phone company like that, ask them how they're doing today? Usually you're like, why can't you people figure this out? Right? You don't want to tell them what church you go to. Please don't tell them what church you go to. <laughs> but anyway, so he just said, and she kind of broke down on the phone, and he said she, he led her to Christ on the phone she was like somewhere, you know, on the other coast. Sometimes you just have to ask a question. Well, they said to him, verse 8, we've had a dream and there's no one to interpret it. There's no magicians down here. And Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell it to me, please. Now, this tells me that Joseph has not lost his faith in prison. He, he is still saying God is the one who interprets dreams. And this gives me an idea that Joseph knows the interpretation of his own dream. His family knew it. Are we, my, your mother and I and your brothers, going to bow down to you? It wasn't hard to figure out the dream a few chapters ago, right? But Joseph says interpretations belong to the Lord. So tell me your dream, and I'll tell you what it means. He has faith. This is an insightful thing about Joseph, that he immediately pointed them to God's ability. He was not ashamed of the gospel. The gospel is not fully known yet in the book of Genesis, but he was not ashamed of the God in whom he had trusted. Are we? You know, somebody could look at Joseph and say, well then, dude, if you believe in this God, why are you here in this rat-infested prison? You say that you were falsely accused. Why didn't your God protect you from that? But Joseph didn't care about those questions. He had a sense that God was still in control of his life. He could see it by the favor he was getting in these various circumstances. The Bible says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things, what? Not seen. And for by it, men of old gained approval. And by the way, one of the men mentioned in Hebrews 11 is Joseph. Men of old gained approval by faith. And men and women in our contemporary age do the same thing. Hebrews is not an Old Testament book, folks. So men of old gained approval this way, but men and women in the contemporary age still gain approval by faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Impossible. So we walk by faith, not by sight. We all know the verses, right? We still know that God wants us to be people of faith. But he is in the faith-shaping business, amen? Joseph's faith is being shaped at this very moment. He hasn't arrived yet, nor have we. So sometimes God puts us in sticky situations and hard to answer why this went the way it did. I don't know. 
But I still believe that God is on the throne. I still believe that God is sovereign. And I believe he's going to work this together for his glory and my good. Well, the chief cupbearer, verse 9, told his dream to Joseph and said to him, In my dream, behold, there was a vine in front of me. Now, he is the guy involved with wine. And on the vine were three branches. And as it was budding, so this is kind of like, you know, the what's that technology where they can speed things up, photo, something. Anyway, it was budding, its blossoms came out, and its clusters produced ripe grapes. So in front of me, you have the vine three branches, and all of a sudden it buds, it blossoms, and there's grapes there. Now Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, so I took the grapes and squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup, and I put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. What does it mean? <laughs> what does it mean, Joseph? Well, Joseph said to him, this is the interpretation of it. The three branches are three days. Within three more days, Pharaoh will lift up your head. Now, I think he, there was a pregnant pause there for a second. Pharaoh will lift up your head. What? <laughs> now, in the ancient world, to lift up your head actually meant that your head was down and you'd get your dignity back. At least that was one mean meaning of it. Have you ever noticed that I, I was driving off an off-ramp um, a couple days back. There was a gentleman there with, you know, the signs that we see. And we've all been cautioned to, you know, it's not good to give them money because they're probably not going to use it for noble purposes, but a food card's okay or something where they just, you know, it limits what they can, they can buy. Well, this dude was sitting there on the side of the road and he, he would not even look up. I don't know how anybody would have stopped for him because the head was just down. And you say, well, maybe that was an act, but have you ever run into somebody that they can't even look you in the eye anymore? And so battered and lost so much of their dignity that they can't even look at you. Well, Joseph gives the interpretation. He says, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure there was a, thank you for adding, he will restore me to your office, and you will put Pharaoh's cup into his hand according to your former custom when you were, uh, when you were his cupbearer. And so you're going to be restored. You're going to re regain your dignity back. You're going to regain your office back. Isn't that great? I'm sure that the, he was thrilled. Psalm 42, 5 and 6 says, Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation. And my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and from Hermon and from Mount Mitzar. Turn to Psalm chapter 3 for a second. Psalm 3. The Psalms are a great way to minister to a downcast soul. And I think they can lift your spirits, whatever you're going through. Psalm 3. Look at verse 1. This is the Psalm of David. The descriptor is David when he fled from Absalom, his son. One of the hardest times in David's life was when Absalom was pulling his shenanigans and trying to basically take his dad out and take his spot. And David writes these words, Psalm 3, verse 1. O Lord, how my adversaries have increased. Many are rising up against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no deliverance for him in God. But thou, O Lord, art a shield about me. 
my glory and the one who lifts my head. And those of us who knew the praise chorus in the past sing, hallelujah, right? He's the lifter of my head. I can't sing it, but we praise God. He says, I was crying to the Lord with my voice and he answered me from his holy mountain. I lay down and slept. I awoke for the Lord sustains me. I will not be afraid of 10,000s of people who have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God. For thou hast smitten all my enemies on the cheek. Thou hast shattered the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Thy blessing be upon thy people. And all God's people said, Amen. Back to Genesis 40. So good news for the cupbearer. He's got to be pretty happy. A couple days more and he's, he's out of jail and restored back to his position. That's good news. As long as Joseph has the right interpretation, we're good to go. But Joseph gives a little caveat. And wouldn't you? He says, only keep in mind when it goes well with you. And please do me a kindness. By mentioning me to Pharaoh... And get me out of here! (laughs) We may have had a late night meal, and I'm not joking around. Sometimes when you eat late or you have a lot on your mind, Mm -hmm. sometimes that combination, it comes out in your dream. So what's heavy on your mind, you often dream about. But there's been a few times in my life when I had a dream and I thought, you know, wow, this is something to really consider. Was it some sort of warning? Was it something that I've got to think deeper about? And the main way that God speaks to us is through his word. But can he speak to us individually in a certain situation? I think he can, and I think he does. In this context, though, the reason that these dreams come to the surface is because of God's bigger plan. And here's here's something else comes out. So were the the cupbearer and the baker then just simply pawns in this this ultimate uh, drama? Well, in one sense, God uses that, but... um, The reality is, I think what happens to the chief baker in the end is not because he served the Pharaoh a bad maple bar, although he may have. (laughs) Um, But ultimately, it's because I think he was found out to to be behind some sort of plot against the Pharaoh. And Mm -hmm. this is what brought it out. So Joseph's interpretation, you know, is positive on one respect. The cupbearer is going to be restored negative to the chief baker. But it was true. Mm -hmm. It was the reality. And I think, uh, but ultimately, if you look, you know, behind it it's to get joseph before the pharaoh and that's why i'd say you have to be careful that this is not necessarily you know the normal mode of things with dreams right and i know that people have it in their hearts or in their heads what does this dream mean personally in their own lives and they seek a means of interpretations unfortunately they don't seek god who is the source of interpreting dreams And people fall by the wayside and they'll go to a psychic or tarot card reader and so on. And they'll seek other means rather than going to God himself. Right. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at Living Truth Corona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.